What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny Bush and Fantasy Points Graham Barfield coming at you to preview the official preview of the 2022 running back class. We've spent, you know, three months talking about these guys. This is where we close the book before we, you know, give you guys our final rankings and talk about these guys with the running back expert himself, uh, the creator of Yards Created. We uh, just recorded last night with Matt Harmon of Reception Perception with the wide receivers. We figured we'd get the running back expert on the on the channel for you guys here today. So, Graham. How you doing today? Uh, feel free to introduce yourself, plug anything that you uh, got going on. Yo, yeah, nice to meet you guys. Uh, I'm Graham. Uh, yeah, Yards Created is my thing. Um, everything's up on the site, man. We uh, we have the full database updated uh, for the 2022 class. So uh, any standard subscription to FantasyPoints.com will get you that database. And yeah, we're you know I'm gonna rip through a couple articles here uh, later this week. We'll post them, and then obviously I have a big post draft breakdown where I go through the whole class, talk through landing spots, all of that. So yeah, it's a fun time, man. I, it, the draft is is here. It's, it's always one of my favorite, favorite events of the year. So I'm, I'm really pumped that we're finally actually getting some like real life, tangible stuff going on, not just takes in the ether. I'm, I'm pretty sick of takes in the ether. I'm, I'm ready for some, some real life stuff here. For sure. We've been hearing months on months on end, uh, you know, Twitter everywhere, people talking about, you know, this RB class, uh, and I'm finally happy, excited to get the closing thoughts on the channel, get, you know, the expert himself to really talk about this. Uh, we'll just call a, a muddy group. That's the best way to describe it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to describe it. It's a money group for sure. Yeah. So if you guys enjoy this video, as always hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel. If you are new, I believe, uh, on fantasy points, the $50 package is the, the one that they can go acquire to see yards created and all the stuff. That is available. Graham's work will be listed uh, in the description down below as well. But before we get into it, got to hit the intro. All right. So the first question for you, Graham, is basically a background of what yards created is and how it kind of identifies um, which running backs could produce for fantasy. And if you want to, you know, take some victory laps on guys that you've spotted uh, before anybody else knew it, um, feel free to just kind of break down your process. A few victory laps and also a few uh, not so victory laps. I don't know. So what, what would those be? Reverse laps? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yards created is a process. I started seven years ago now. Uh, I started in 2015. Um, and basically what I try to do is chart what happens, like how many yards the offensive line blocks, and then after the line does or doesn't do its job, uh, those yards get accredited to the back. Um, so basically it's like if you think of it in like terms of like second-level yards, that's probably the best way to think of it. So like when the back gets through the hole, uh, what happens? You know, uh, that's essentially what I'm doing. And I'm charting missed tackles forced in terms of speed, power, elusiveness i'm also watching every passing down play uh, i usually end up charting six games for every back that i do so it usually shakes out to be about half the season maybe a little bit more uh in the case of like damian pierce i end up just watching like all their carries because they only have like you know, only have, like five per game or something stupid so um yeah it's it's not um it's not a full season because I'm, I'm one man and i just you know i don't have the time and bandwidth but i did a study on this last year yards created turned out to be uh, have a higher correlation to career fantasy points than pretty much any metric you could look at in terms of like just 
career receiving yards per game, career rushing yards per game, any metric in the combine. Um, again, the combine is like total crapshoot in terms of just trying to find signal. Um, but yeah, uh, some big hits were Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, some not so big hits. Uh, Darrell Henderson. Also love Joe Williams. If anybody remembers Joe Williams, I love Kenny Dixon, Danny's guy. Derrick Henry. I think I, I was pretty pretty low on Derrick Henry too. A little too low on Henry. Uh, yards created came out too low on Henry, but I think that's just because he had so many carries. He just had like a, like 350 carries or something like that. But yeah, um, definitely have had some big hits, some swings and misses for sure as well. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more hits than misses than this class because after RB1 and RB2, it's it's dicey, guys. Yeah, and just, uh, I mean, talking about that, realistically at the running back position, you want to be swinging for the fences. You want to be swinging for those hits. So for all the misses that there can be, I mean, the fact that you're able to cite, you know, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, like those are some absolute league winning type of assets where if people were able to get for the cheap in their rookie drafts at that time, I mean, you're reaping the benefits, reaping the rewards at this point. And uh, I just wanted to kind of talk about that. You uh, actually wrote in your recent article that there's a 0.32 correlation from yards created from college in projecting forward to the NFL. Obviously, as you mentioned, highest of any single recorded metric that you can find out there. So the fact that you're able to put in that work, the fact that your results speak for themselves, uh, I mean, kudos. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. Yeah. And even then, like 0.32 is like extremely low. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, we're, I always think of it as like, we're trying to look through keyholes. Like we just start trying to find like the smallest amount of like tangible uh, data that we can. And at the end of the day, I think yards created definitely helps that, but it's, it's definitely far from the full picture and it's, it's nothing, it's not perfect, but it's definitely done a good job for sure. A better job than I expected of uh, predicting future fantasy success for sure. Yeah, the the 50% hit rate I like to call is like the casual fantasy player can hit about 50%. Yeah. Us as degenerates and, you know, researchers and, and stuff, we're hitting like 57%. So we're yeah. fighting for, you know, 7% and it's, it takes all that work to get that 7%. Yeah. But that 7%, like you said, could be a Kareem Hunt. It could be, you know, a Joe Mixon who weren't, you know, first round NFL draft picks, you know, slam dunks like Christian McCaffrey maybe was. So um, the fact that you're beating draft capital, which I believe is a 0.3 correlation, uh, is definitely uh, pretty solid. We kind of alluded to it already. What are your thoughts on this running back class in general? We know the top two guys have been the top two guys for a while, Kenneth Walker and yeah. Reese Hall. And then after that, Isaiah Spiller was kind of in that tier before the combine, and then he kind of tested not as great. Is yeah. this running back class after those two, maybe two and a half guys, a crapshoot, or is it you know a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things? I think it's a bunch of guys who can do a bunch of different things. Um, maybe not so well, um, but it's it's a bunch of guys. Um, yeah, Hall and Walker are great prospects, man. I mean, um, you know, I think they're obviously two very very different players, but they bring um, a, a pedigree to this class that we desperately needed because after them, it's it's pretty dicey. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I I've been saying this to the uh, you know few you know, few people that I talk to every year just you know getting their takes on a running back class and it just seems like everyone's RB3 through 8 is a totally different order and I'm so excited to see what happens on day 2 and day 3 of how the NFL values these guys because you know like you mentioned draft capital even though we make fun of these teams from making bad picks all the time like it's still pretty it's still pretty strong correlation in terms of like our game like what happens in the future um, I'm really excited to see how it shakes out for sure. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, man, 
I'm not surprised. He said he didn't test well. I'm not surprised he didn't test well. His his tape was was slow. He, he was a slow player on tape. So I'm, I was not all that surprised. He ran what did he run four six four six yeah five. like four six four I think. Which yeah. so the difference between him and another guy like Javante Williams last year who also ran in the four sixes at the uh, at his pro day. You see a visible difference in game speed between those two guys, is what you're saying? Massive. I mean, it's like two different. I mean, it's like two different games, basically. I mean, Javante was my guy last year. Um, I was um, yards created was really high on him. He was the number one back in by mile in terms of like missed tackles forced. Um, I think he was top of the class in yards created too. I'd have to double check. Um, but anyway, yeah, Javante was my guy. Isaiah Spiller's not close to that. I mean, he was. Spiller was third percentile in yards created per attempt, which is really, really bad. Um, he was uh, out of the 12 or 13 guys I charted in this class. He was 12th, uh, no, 11th out of 12. So not great. Um, pretty low in missed tackles forced as well. He was third fewest in the class in terms of missed tackles forced. I just, I think he's one of those guys who's like a jack of all trades, but master of none. Like he's competitive as hell. Like he definitely fights through contact extremely well. Uh, pretty good pass catcher too. They used him, Texas A&M used him in a lot of like key third down situations and like red zone situations, which was, which was huge. And he was a great pass catcher for sure. Great route runner. I think he's probably the best pass catching back in this class. Maybe Rashad White and James Cook have a, um, have an argument to be made there too, but yeah, Spiller, I just don't think he's got the, uh, I just don't think he's got the juice to be anything more than like a change of pace guy uh, on early downs and, and short yardage, which will cap his ceiling obviously for our game. For sure. I mean, if we're looking at it, uh, obviously us being a, a dynasty channel for the most part, like Isaiah Spiller's name has kind of been out there all season and uh i mean I'll, I'll trust your tape watching over mine when it comes to running backs I, I i like spiller but i mean i see definitely the flaws in terms of obviously that athleticism showing in terms of overall that nuance of playing the running back position which he kind of hasn't figured out yet i just pulled out my notes i said he has some sort of, like ridiculous catches um i yeah. made a note of like in this the game he played against colorado he had like a third and eight that extended the game he had a game-winning touchdown like they dialed him up in some crucial situations. They would use him on like downfield routes too. Like they would run mesh concepts where he'd be the wheel guy. Um, and, you know, he's great in that role, but I just don't see him as like a guy we can really rely on and project forward as like a three down player because he is fairly limited as a runner. Yeah. I think the tough thing too with Isaiah Spiller is uh, from an age perspective, he's got like three, he's got like three years on, on Rashad white and, you know, Pierre strong and some of the older running backs in this draft class, Isaiah Spiller hasn't even turned 21 yet. So there is maybe some hope for NFL teams that he could develop into more of a nuanced runner. But like you said, the athleticism could be a problem for him. Two guys. I mean, you kind of touched on them already that the athleticism was not a problem for uh, just give your kind of thoughts on on the top two dudes, Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, maybe how they stack up relative to previous you know sure. top tier running backs. Sure. Um, let's start with Brees Hall because I think he's like kind of everyone's RB1. I've seen a few people shift to Walker towards RB1 here in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, Brees is all around an awesome player, man. Uh, he can force missed tackles with speed. He can you know beat you with his elusiveness. He's got a nasty jump cut and he is very, very competitive in short yardage. He's He's like, what is he, 215, 217, right? He runs like he's 225, 230. I mean, the dude is a load. Um, I felt like watching him, there was a, f 
a, a number of plays that stood out to me where he just left yards on the field. Like I, backs, patient backs like toe this line between being overly patient and hesitant. And in my opinion, I think Brees was hesitant at time for a player of his pedigree who has his athleticism and he, he got away with it because you can, I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of be, you know, when you're Brees Hall and you run four, three, eight and you're two seventeen, and you know, you've got all the moves that you could want. You can be overly hesitant at time, especially against that level of competition. Um, but I saw a few too many times where he would just wait too long or the hole would be right there in front of him. And he would just kind of duck in between the, a defender and just kind of run in the back of his offensive lineman. That's not something you want to see from an extremely high level prospect. And I think that's something that he can be coached out of. Um, so Brees to me is a very, very strong prospect. He would rate behind if you want to just put like, you know, uh, arbitrary rankings on it. He would rate well behind Najee, Javante uh, and Kenneth Walker for me in this class. If you want to combine the last two, um, he would be definitely above ETN though. Um, so I don't think I've seen people give him kind of like this JT, like Zeke Elliott, you know, uh, billing. I'm not there. I think he's a really good prospect, but he's not in that, in that group. Uh, Kenneth Walker was freaking awesome. Like he nearly broke yards created. I didn't, I didn't expect anybody in this class to have like, you know, 90th percentile yards created. No, Kenneth Walker did it. He did it in fashion, man. 5.86 yards created 92nd percentile over the last seven years, led the class by a mile in terms of missed tackles, forced per attempt. The dude's a magician. I mean, he's just, he's like an artist uh, back there. I mean, he's uh, nimble, uh, runs a lot like Joe Mixon, like a lighter version of Joe Mixon. Um, you know, if you've, anybody's spent time watching Joe Mixon knows that he's just got like the nastiest cuts, not only in open field, but behind the line of scrimmage. Kenneth Walker is like the epitome of like what you want from an inside zone runner. He sees the lane, makes his cut explodes upfield. I mean, he is amazing uh, in terms of his own running, but obviously the big question we have with him that we don't have with Brees is the pass catching. Um, caught 13 balls at Michigan State. I watched all of them. I mean, he didn't do much besides like just simple swing passes and checkdowns, but he did catch the ball away from his body, which is one thing I look for. You know, he doesn't let the ball get into his body. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, it's, it's a projection and, you know, uh, with Walker moving forward and his rookie year and years to come, ultimately we would just want him to be able to catch like 25, 30 balls, just a couple of check downs, maybe a couple of third down plays, and maybe you can build a repertoire from there. Um, but obviously that's the huge, the huge question that we have with Walker. And I totally understand why people have Hall over Walker as RB1, uh, simply because Brees is a more accomplished pass catcher. So adding on to that, um, obviously, as you as you mentioned, like Walker was the better pure runner. Obviously, Brees has that receiving profile. If you're on your your dynasty dynasty team, for example, when you're focusing from a fantasy football outlook standpoint, where are you kind of prioritizing? Obviously, again, landing spot draft capital is going to end up taking a certain effect. But if you're just you know player X versus player Y, you don't know their drafting uh, draft spots right now. How are you kind of balancing that? receiving edge that Brees has versus that rushing edge that Kenneth has. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm going for guys that have the standout, like, you know, not only was Walker yards created standout, he tested extremely well at the combine too, man. And he ran the same, he ran four, three, eight as well. Right. Four, four. four, three, yeah, four yeah. fours. And he, he, he came in bigger too than we thought. I, yeah. I know I personally thought I'm like, Hey, is this guy going to be two Oh three, two Oh four coming yeah. into the combine? I think he waited two eleven or something like that or two Oh nine. 
yeah, I think, yeah, I think he was 210, somewhere in that range. So, yeah, man, I mean, he te he tested well, too. I know everybody got on, you know, Barista's time, but Walker was right there, too. Um, I, I have done three rookie drafts so far. I'm a big skin-in-the-game guy. Like, I don't really like giving takes that I don't personally do myself. Um, I haven't had the chance to take Brees over Kenneth Walker, but I would. Uh, or, excuse me, I haven't had a chance to take Kenneth Walker over Brees, but I would. Uh, I took walker at 103 in a rookie draft last night um yeah man i think he's i think he's 101 um i think he's gonna go way earlier than people think too and it would not surprise me if he went ahead of breeze i have money on it to say that he might because yeah, i do yeah. think the nfl is gonna covet like because I, I agree i wasn't all that high on kenneth walker when i first watched him not as a runner i, I clearly was like dude this is the best runner in the class but it's almost like Devontae Smith last year. Not like mm. Devontae Smith was the guy that was going to be the outlier. If anybody can do this at 160 or whatever Devontae Smith weighed, it's going to be Devontae Smith. Kenneth Walker, if anybody can do this with like a zero in the receiving category from a production and a profile standpoint, it looks like Kenneth Walker is going to be the guy to bet on to do that. So I'm starting to rise a little bit more on Kenneth Walker. I'm seeing a million yeah. people like you and, and a bunch of other people telling me that this guy might be a, not a generational type of runner, but like up there. He's he's definitely yeah. one of the better runners that we've seen in the last couple of years. And initially my stance was, hey, I'm not taking Kenneth Walker until Drake London, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Malik Willis in a super flex format are off the board. But now I, I'm not really going to blame anybody for yeah. taking Kenneth Walker 102, 103, 104, wherever they want to take him. Yeah. Well, this wide receiver class, man, I mean, it's like pick your pick your poison, too. I mean, I, I have Garrett Wilson at one, but then after that, I mean, you can make an argument for anybody. I think you could make an argument for Jamison Williams. We can make an argument for Traylon Burke. So, the the you know, the receiver group, and I'm sure you guys have gone into this with Harmon, too, it's like extremely deep, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really – it's a it's not like, you know, there's no Chase, there's no Devontae, there's no Waddle, but it's a good group. This running back class gets real freaking dicey real fast. So – yeah, I think I think Walker, just in terms of this class and the way everything's kind of laid out, I think Walker gets boosted up just because of the scarcity of the position. I mean, uh, talking about, you know, potentially going earlier than we expect. I mean, I wouldn't be at all shocked if 25th pick comes along. The Buffalo Bills are looking for some more juice on that offense. I mean, hey, that would be that'd be that fun pairing them with Buffalo with Josh Allen and them boys. Oh man, yeah, you, you don't have a speed element to your offense really at all. Cause even like, you know, Moss and Singletary are four, six guys, even Diggs, who's like elite wide receiver. He's not a complete burner. You don't really have anybody outside of like Gabriel Davis, maybe that's the field for that <laughs> team. And you have a power running back basically in your quarterback. So uh, that would make a ton of sense to me. And I do, like I said, I have skin in the game that Kenneth Walker is the first running back off the board yeah. because I do think NFL teams are really going to covet his skill set. And I don't think they look too much into like receiving profiles like we do in fantasy football. So after those three guys, and you kind of touched on all three of them, most people have different RB threes. If they don't like Spiller RB fours, if they do like Spiller, there's just a massive group of dudes between Zamir white and Brian Robinson and James cook and Rashad white and Pierre strong and Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier and Kyron Williams, whoever some people like as the best running back after that top tier or that top two and, and Isaiah Spiller, does anybody in that group stand out to you? And we kind of talked about one of them already, but I'll let you kind yeah. of pick and choose who you want to talk about in that third or second tier of running backs. Yeah, uh, it's Damian Pierce for me, man. Um, I, we could talk through a lot on Pierce in terms of the way he was used. We were talking off air a little bit too. Uh, just he's a zero in terms of production. Like, I mean, very the, the laundry list of running backs and receivers, you know, too, that we have – 
attached ourselves to because their film is so good and their efficiency is fine but have zero production that haven't panned out is extremely long I, I was going back and forth on with someone on twitter about this like we got like alvin Kamara, tony pollard recently of guys that like have you know very very little career production of like maybe 35 40 rushing yards per game and a little receiving production that panned out that being said man damian pierce's efficiency in in terms of yards created everything was was really really strong uh 4.53 yards created it's 43rd percentile but pretty strong for a guy who only got like seven eight carries a game uh he was second in this class and this stock was forced per attempt which is really strong and really good in terms of yards of per route run he was uh at 2.1 uh, that was right behind Rashad White and James Cook, so he was third in that stat. Um, pretty much any time he got the, his hands on the ball, he made something happen. Um, extremely competitive runner. Um, I think he's got better agility than, than um, people would probably initially ex- expect. And he's got better juice, too. I mean, he's not Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall. He's not going to run 4.38, but, I mean, he's he's got some serious juice inside of 5.10 yards. Um the question is just like, where does the NFL, how's the NFL going to see this guy? I mean, is he going to, are they going to see him as a change of pace back, like kind of how he was at Florida, or are they going to see him as a guy who can actually play all three downs? I personally think he can play all three downs. I think if you gave him that role, I think he's, I think he would excel in it. Um, that being said, I, you know, I'm not NFL teams. I have just my opinions. And at the end of the day, you know, you know, they're worth a little, but not that much. So it's it's going to be real interesting to see where, where Pierce goes. But he really, out of this whole group, you know, I just going through all the charting and crunching all the numbers and stuff over the last couple of weeks, I was hoping and waiting for somebody to pop. And I think it's Pierce. But I just have no idea where he's going to go. Wouldn't shock me if he went in the third round. Wouldn't shock me if he went in the sixth. And it's funny when we mention like a name like Damian Pierce, because I mean, all the all the analytical bros are going to be like, oh, 23 year old running back, no production. I don't want. But then when you actually apply the context, you say, okay, listen, like I can't explain why he didn't get the production. But all I can tell you is when he does get the product or when he does get the touches, he's able to produce with them. Well, it, it was the most bizarre thing, too, Danny, like he would get he would rip off like a 12 yard run and then literally not play another snap until the next quarter. It was the most bizarre thing. And, you know, you mentioned they had him playing fullback. They had him playing fullback as like a lead blocker a ton for their other back, who was not as good. Uh, Their quarterback. Their quarterback, too, on on a lot of plays. Dude, their quarterback play was so bad last year. I mean, it it was impossibly bad. Their play calling was bad. I mean, just the whole setup was bad. Um, and it's, it's, it, we talked about this again, off air, like this, this is now the third or fourth guy that Florida's had. That's a really good player that had no production. Van Jefferson, you mentioned Kadarius Tony should have been a star in college. Like he should have been a like dominant star and he wasn't until his last year. Cause they didn't know how to use him. Uh, I, I don't think Damian Pierce is that level of athlete as Kadarius Tony. I don't think he's that kind of playmaker, but he's really freaking good. And he should have, he should have been used way more in his last years, but again he wasn't and it's funny because when we're talking about you know guys that were misused in college like if we're looking at a guy like damian pierce like if he lands in a spot like philadelphia where there is a ton of opportunity there obviously they don't like what's going on with miles sanders a lot of volatility to his game obviously with kenneth gainwell he's a nice compliment but you don't want him being that main carrier between the tackles uh on a year-to-year basis 
you get Damian Pierce, you know, third, fourth round areas, probably about the expected draft capital. You put him in a situation like Philly, obviously me saying that with a bunch of Cowboys jerseys behind me, it doesn't look too ideal, but I mean, it just is a match made in heaven for me. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think he's going to be a guy who goes into a rotation like that. And honestly, this is kind of like the, I don't know, something that's like on the top level surface of this class. There's not many good landing spots. The Bills, the Falcons, maybe the Falcons would have a ton of opportunity. Texans for Jets. volume. Yeah, Texans for volume. Jets, maybe. I think Michael Carter would probably always have a role there in the next couple of years. Yep. But yeah, the Bucks. I mean, maybe. And Leonard Fournette's got that job this year, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be too enamored with Keyshawn Vaughn in the next couple of years. So yeah, I mean, they, they seem as a Bucks fan, they they seem a lot higher on Keyshawn Vaughn than they good. used to be. So it does. Like it wouldn't shock me if they took nobody, but Jason Light was actually asked point blank, would. Vaughn and Fournette and um, uh, the other guy that they have there. I think they brought back Bernard. Would that stop you from drafting another running back? He's like, no. If they, if they, I know they've met with Spiller a ton. I know they've met with Hall a ton. I know they've met with a bunch of the even high-end running backs. I don't think that it would shock me if they took a running back in the second or third round. Well, I mean, <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn was in Bruce Arians' doghouse the last two years, and he's gone now. So maybe they're going to give Vaughn another shot. But yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, yeah, I mean – the Bucks would be sick, but Fournette's going to block them for whoever, you know, maybe the next two years. So it's, it's a, it's a weird year for running backs for sure. Yeah. For sure. So speaking on that, Zamir White, Brian Robinson, James Cook, Tyler Algier, Rashad White, Pierre Strong, I know has mm -hmm. a cult following Kyron Williams who, you know, tanked his stock at the combine, Four, but had seven. some decent film, cool. I would say. Does anybody else stand out in that group? Did anybody perform well in certain areas? Some guys not perform yeah. well in others, but maybe worth a shot. Yeah. Um, let's we'll, we'll circle back on like James Cook and Rashad White, uh, maybe Algier too, but Pierre Strong, Brian Robinson, Kyron Williams, Isaiah Spiller, and Zamir White were all in the bottom 20th percentile in terms of yards created per attempt. Uh, Jerome Ford was 22nd uh, percentile. Algier was 26th. Um, no, the answer is not to that is no. I, I like Brian Robinson a little bit just because he can do everything, you know. That's can, why I like Algier, which is why I just yeah. cringed there. It's because I think Algier, Algier can do everything. He's physical, he's got a decent receiving skill set, he's got the yeah. size 77th percentile math bomb relative athletic score. Yeah, not terrible. That's he's my RB4 as it currently stands right now. And even that, I'm not like enamored with him. He's like a mid second round rookie pick at best, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Algier is interesting too. I mean, the thing with Robinson, he's, he's immediately going to like, he's so old. He's really old. But if like, let's say the Falcons wanted to draft him and immediately give him like 60% of the snaps, like they could do that. You know what I mean? Like, he's the best pass. I, and I go back and forth on this all the time. And I write about this all the time. But like, pass blocking is, I mean, Finding a guy who's actually good in pass protection uh, coming out of college is, is very rare. Brian Robinson's actually that guy. Uh, he gave up just one pressure out of like 30 pass blocking snaps that I charted. I mean, he was really strong in terms of his pass blocking. Um, very physical runner. I think he's got better bursts than people give him credit for, but I mean, he's nothing special. Uh, Algier, same thing. I mean, good inside runner, very, very physical runner, but he, he has like almost no elusiveness. Um, fine pass catcher, but nothing special. Um, He's also good in protection for what it's worth too. Cause he was a yeah. former linebacker that physicality yeah. really shows up. I tend to think like, I tend to think he might have a little bit more burst than people give him credit for, but I, he, he's still not gonna, you know, wow you with, with elusiveness yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, James Cook's interesting. 
he's just really small. He's just really, really small, like 195, 198, and he looks like he's 175. Uh, but he posted second best in this class in terms of yards created per attempt. He was up there uh, in yards per route run, too, second in the class. Um, efficient back. They lined him up against, you know, corners, too. I mean, he would run, you know, actual wide receiver routes. Um, maybe one of the only guys in this class, him and Rashad White both, were, were one of the few guys in this class that actually lined up at receiver and took on corners, but he's just so small. Like, you know, if we put 15 pounds on James Cook, maybe he'd be uh, a guy we could perhaps trust for a three down roll, but he's, I just don't think he's going to be anything more than like a change of pace guy. Unfortunately. That's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, it's tough. Cause I mean, we are in a, a sad reality at some point where a lot of these smaller guys, like they have to go to the exact perfect situation that'll let them get the volume. And realistically, I mean, from an NFL standpoint, they see, oh, am I going to get this, you know, 215, 220 pound inside the tackles type of runner that can put up, you know, a four, five, or am I going to get, you know, there's 190 pound wiry guy that, yeah, he's going to run a four, four, but I mean, realistically from a size speed standpoint, just give me the size at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Cook's, you know, he's Dalvin Cook, his brother might be the best zone runner of all time. Um, I don't say that lightly. Dalvin Cook really might be the best zone runner of all time. James, you can tell he has picked up a lot from his brother. I mean, he is fantastic in zone. Uh, that being said, he just he just isn't built like his brother, man. I mean, he's just – I really would worry about giving him more than, you know, eight or ten carries. For, for what it's worth, his ideal landing spot is the team behind me, I think, because we know yeah. Tom Brady will use him in the passing yeah. game. And I, I think they like him too, and I know they like big school running backs. I, I like that spot a lot. I also like the Bills. They've been sniffing around on pass-catching backs. Obviously, they probably yeah, – McKissick. And they, uh, I think they brought in Cook a couple weeks ago, and I made note of that. So I think, I think Cook to the Bills would make some sense too. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be fun. You're talking about offensive insulation from a value standpoint. I mean, are there any other running back landing spots, period, that you would want attributed to Josh Allen and a potential 30-plus point-per-game scoring offense? Yeah, and I think that they want somebody that Allen can check down to. Like, Singletary is nothing special. Zach Moss has always stunk. I'm sorry, but he's never been good. <laughs> I've never understood with him. But, um, yeah, they've, they've needed some guy with, needed a guy with some juice and some pass catching chops, and I think, you know, Cook, uh, maybe even Rashad White, too, would be interesting for them. Yeah, speaking of a guy with the last name White, I'm curious what your thoughts were. You, you kind of talked about Zamir White already. I know he has like a little bit of a resurgence in the draft community lately. I think the further he's away from the field does him better because he's not a very good player in my opinion, nope. but Zamir White, I've seen people say he's like the RB two in this class, the RB one in this class. I think we're getting a little, I think the draft should happen. At the so that we don't get these takes mid April when we're all sick of talking about Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Zamir White, can you please uh, dispel the narrative that he's potentially one of the better running backs in this class? Yeah, man. Um, I'm still flabbergasted. I'm perplexed. I'm uh, flummoxed by Zamir White, RB1. My goodness. Uh, yeah, it's a sad trombone for Zamir White. Zeroth percentile. Zeroth? Zeroth percentile in yards created for 10. Literally dead last out of the 90-some-odd backs I've ever charted. <laughs> Um, man, you know, look, he, he popped his ACL twice, you know, the poor guy. I mean, he's just, I didn't see any burst. Um, uh, obviously Georgia's offensive line was fantastic. He was a pile mover. Um, 
just very little burst, uh, was very low in terms of missed tackles forced. He was second few in this, fewest in this class in missed tackles forced. And they rarely used him in passing downs. Um, so he really didn't get a chance to produce very much in terms of that. But yeah, man, um, I, I, I've been saving this take and I'll probably write it somewhere, but if he didn't go to Georgia, then people would probably have him as like a sixth or seventh round pick. But yeah. Funny thing too, about his passing game usage, his pass blocking grade, according to PFF is 19. So for a big, <laughs> big back, he can't, he really can't do anything on third down. Um, yeah, man. It's, it's tough scenes for Zamir White. I think James Cook is, is way more, way more interesting. That, that athletic yeah. testing from Zamir White is the most shocking thing I've seen yeah. in a while. Cause I, 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 I had a tweet written out and I deleted it because I know Zamir White has a little bit of like a following. I, I tweet, I'm like, is Zamir White the worst 98th percentile math bomb athletic score that we've ever seen? He might be, man. I, I think, I think, curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. That the track in, in Indy was, it's brand new. The field was brand new. Everyone was running fast. Yeah. Um, I think that has something to do with it. But, you know, the other thing is like, there's a huge difference between running fast in a straight line for 40 yards and running when you're trying to make defenders miss and pick through holes and bob and weave and be physical. I mean, there's just, it's a huge, there's, it's two different games. It's two different terms of athleticism. Um, and in terms of his game film last year's name, Zamir White just, just didn't have it. Maybe another extra year removed from, from the ACL, he'll get some of that burst back. Maybe we'll see. Um, you know, I know Sony Michelle dealt with a ton of injuries his final couple years at Georgia and into his rookie year too. And he finally kind of got back to where he could have been maybe these last couple of years. Maybe that's what Zamir White needs. But for right now, I, I just, he's at the bottom of my rankings. Yeah. What's with knee injuries at Georgia? Well, I don't know. It's Georgia insane. Back yeah, it's something in the water. White, Sony yeah. Michelle, Nick Early Chubb, Todd Gurley. Early. Like, literally, yeah, yeah. literally every Georgia running back has major in knee injuries. Um, the last question before we get out of here that I have for you, my favorite sleeper in this class is Bam Knight from NC State. Uh, NC State. He's a guy that I love as like a third round rookie pick for people because I think he has some of the best feet of this entire class. So you as the yards created guy, I'm curious to see if that was uh, something that if you've charted him or not, uh, something that popped out to you because when I watched him, you know, play, I was like, this guy can make people miss on a dime. According to PFF, he's the third most elusive back in this class behind Damian Pierce on a per touch basis. And then Kenneth Walker at number one, basically um, Zonovan Knight, when he ran the bag drills at the combine, Daniel Jeremiah was like, that is outstanding because his feet are just phenomenal. So oh, yeah. what did you think of him? If you've, if you've uh, charted him, and then who do you have as like your number one sleeper back that people should throw darts at in the third, fourth round? Yeah, I did not chart Bam Knight, um, but that's interesting. I know Cosell liked him a little bit too. Um, we have a prospect guide where Cosell has written up like, I don't know, he literally locks himself in his his office for weeks like, <laughs> and just watches like random six round guys. But yeah, he watched Bam Knight. I think he liked him a little bit too. I don't know why my computer's freezing right now. It's going to pull that, but uh, maybe I should add Bam Knight. Um, outside of Pierce, um, Algier. Um, is interesting, but I th I don't think he's really a sleeper. Um, Keontae, what's that guy's name? Keontae, Keontae Ingram. Ingram from USC. Ingram. Uh, we had Angelo Fantasy on, and he waxed poetic about Keontae yeah. as well. So maybe I do have to add one more running back to my watch list because yeah. I didn't end on watching him until I saw where he got drafted. But you're now like the second or third person that said Keontae Ingram is interesting. Yeah, he's interesting just because he's a 
really good pass catcher. I didn't chart him. I just, you know, obviously just going through the numbers and watched a couple games just to kind of be familiar. Um, but yeah, Keontae Ingram's interesting for sure. Uh, he's, he's got some juice. Um, you know, obviously he was blocked out by Bijan at Texas and then went to USC as a transfer, but, um, he's interesting for sure. I, I don't know, man. They're, they're, like <laughs> there's like 24 guys in this class, like that are all like fifth, sixth round grades. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You could put, you could put your name on anybody. Where, I think there's going to be a lot of Khalil Herbert types, like yeah. guys that are good for three to four games when the starter is out. Type yeah. of guys from this draft class, maybe yep. you get the odd Ramondre Stevenson uh, type of player, which I think could be like a Pierce if he backs up Miles Sanders his first year in Philadelphia and then goes on to take over the job his second year. I, I think that's what we're getting at, on the high end with most yeah. of these guys yeah. outside of the top dudes. I don't think we're going to get a uh, this year's Elijah Mitchell or this year's James Robinson coming out of nowhere and commanding workhorse volume. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Scott Barrett, my guy, he said it perfectly. There's 13 Alexander Madisons in this class. That's that's what it is. I mean, there's 13 Alexander Madison. There's there's 13 Khalil Herberts. I mean, it's it's. It's definitely the most of the seventy dollars. Seven years I've done this, man. It's definitely the most like bizarre group for sure. What about a guy like Kennedy Brooks? Obviously, he's an older prospect, not a receiving profile. Like, what would you? What did you make of him? Like, if you've gotten to him as a runner? Um, yeah, the thing is, I think he's got some domestic violence um, issues in his past. He missed all twenty twenty, um, so I think he's probably going to be off some boards. Um, I've done three rookie drafts so far four round rookie drafts by the way and he wasn't drafted in any of them um yeah i mean obviously super efficient i mean he averaged what like eight yards a carry in his career something like that seven yards per carry but yeah it, i don't know if he'll be drafted because of his past yeah he's the mark walton of this class if we're gonna oh, do that to make oh, those connections man. anyway man. yeah that guy was classic <laughs> <laughs> um, for what it's worth, my comparison for Zonovan Knight is actually Khalil Herbert. So that's why I brought Khalil <laughs> Herbert's name up. So, uh, and Khalil Herbert was a guy that I had a top seven running back last year, right behind Elijah Mitchell at RB6. So, um, I don't know if we're going to get a guy like that unless it's on a, you know, handcuff or, you know, the starter went down. So they have RB2 yeah. value because of the volume type of thing. So, Graham, again, appreciate you coming on. If you guys enjoyed this video, please hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below. We're closing in on 10,000 subscribers. I think we're like 200 away right now. So if you haven't already done so, we're trying to get to 10,000 before the NFL draft starts. So if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button. Make sure to check out everything that Graham is doing. Like we said at the beginning of the video, it's like 50 bucks to get yards created. You get the archives, I believe, in that. And you also get, you made reference to Cosell's work. You also get uh, that, I believe, as a result of that. But I'll let you kind of plug anything uh, one last time. Yeah, uh, standard subscription gets you yards created and everything on the site basically for season long. So like all of our best ball rankings, um, uh, any season long stuff that you're doing. So all of our like waiver wire in season pickups that you need, uh, that's that'll be included. So it's not just yards created. You get a ton of value for that for that 50 bucks season long subscription. Yeah, I, bu I would buy it just for yeah. yards created, but you do get a lot of other you're things kind of as well. You're too for kind. sure. I mean, we, yeah, we, we, we each have been following yards created for a while. So, I mean, the fact that you're getting all that value for $50, not only obviously yards created, but the whole access to the fantasy of San fancy point site, you're talking about, you know, best ball rankings. I mean, Dr. Edwin Porras, we've had on the channel a couple of times. He's oh, nice. sharp when it comes to entry analysis. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely familiar, uh, over there. Cool. Yeah. So. That being said, make sure to check out our sponsors over at Underdog Fantasy. Check out the Patreon for more Dynasty rankings. We made reference to them throughout the video. Peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon.